This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcode.com. Welcome back to the Short Code Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler, here today with Aline Sanduk. Hi. Jaden Bowen. Welcome back, Dave. But thank you. Mark Mubarak. Here in the flash. Gabe Conley. Hello. And Marissa Evers. Hi there. These giants among the men and women studying medicine in the United States of America, the greatest country on earth, at the greatest college of medicine on earth. Hello. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, today is the time of year when medical students are changing their names on Facebook for, for reasons that I can't discern. Yep. Oh, it's time to apply to residency programs i can't be known by my real name so i have to confuse the shit out of dave etler while he looks on facebook what are you changing your name to mark i don't do that you're not gonna do it you're gonna own it it would be immediate suspicion in my mind if like you hop on facebook and you can't find anything and it's like "Mm, i see this archived photo on google yeah what are you trying to hide born after 1990 yeah from from (laughs) when i applied to med school they would do that too of like uh they would ask like what would we see if we looked on your facebook i think it's michigan that does it Mm. michigan state my thoughts just like, I don't know, take a look. And I yeah. just linked my, I think I was kind of over secondaries at that point. I just linked my Facebook and moved on. <laughs> you know what? I think that was actually pioneered by the Obama administration. Like anyone who applied to work there after he got elected had to give up their Facebook and Twitter and Instagram passwords oh, because they couldn't afford. Passwords? I think Ooh. so, yeah. Because like he, the uphill battle, you know, for the people in the country that didn't like him, he, like he couldn't afford a single scandal yeah. like facebook earlier or anything mm, so they would think, scrub through i could think of another administration that might want to consider that but <laughs> i'm not going to mention any names oh russia has all the information oh that's need. true yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. anyway on today's show we'll answer a listener question about having a feeding tube during med school interviews we'll talk about mark's unusual situation i won't go into it more than that right now i don't know it's not that unusual it's not unusual. If you're, if you're a creep. And we'll have some tidbits from news wow. uh, that's happened in the several weeks since I last recorded an episode. As I've mentioned, I went on a long vacation, but thanks to uh, Aline and Jaden and, and Taname, Kone, uh, and all the co-hosts who stepped in while I was gone, we still had some, some shows to serve up some SCP goodness while I was relaxing. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate that. Mm. But now I'm back. I'm refreshed. I'm ready for action. So let's start off the show today with a listener question. Victoria is preparing for her med school interviews, but she has one concern that she's asked us about. Hi, Dave and med students. First of all, I love your show and look forward to it every week. Mm. I'm a current applicant and have my first interview coming up soon. I am nervous about it in general, but I am also worried about how I will be perceived because I have a feeding tube. It is temporary and I plan to address it in my interview, but I'm worried I will be seen as weak or sickly by the admissions committee. I wanted to ask if any of the short coats have noticed applicants with visible disabilities at their interviews, in their class, etc., and whether this seemed to affect their interactions with peers or faculty. 
I appreciate any input you were able to give on this topic. Thank you for putting on such a great show. You are very welcome. I think the first thing is congrats. You got yeah. an interview. That's yeah. the biggest step mm -hmm. right there. So that's good. Yep. Um, in terms of, I think one of the words that stuck out to me, weak and sickly. Um, I don't think that factors too much into the admissions decision process of kind of looking at someone and saying, oh, their, their fortitude is not, yeah. not up to par. That, uh, so I wouldn't... I wouldn't see it as like something to be super, super worried about. At the same time, I understand there's some self-consciousness and all that. Mm -hmm. and, um, in terms of uh, students interviewing that have disabilities, um, if that's part of your story, the goal is to understand your story and you know see if you're a good fit. So if it comes up in an organic way, feel free to talk about it. If you need to adjust it, um, I think that's totally fair and appropriate. I don't think you should have any you know reticence or shame about it at all and i mean if you have to adjust the tube yeah if you okay. have to, i think she said at some point she planned on adjusting her tube oh addressing you know. Address, i think she said oh, addressing. addressing i thought you heard adjust i heard adjust uh, so we've got some feedback from uh, alumni john pianta and a amy young yeah. on this question and uh i think they uh really had something important to say which is own it yeah you know you're yeah. You're uh you're a badass. Um Amy suggested even just not addressing it at all. Just walk in and be like, Yeah, hey, I got a feeding tube where you can sit. Don't even like don't even like uh bring it up. Unless you know, it's uh I mean unless obviously it's brought up or, or by the interviewers, and unless it forms a significant bit of your story that you want to tell. Mm -hmm. Um but otherwise, you know. If it, you know, if they, if they can't handle it, um, Amy thinks it would reflect poorly on the interviewer and, Absolutely. and not on you, number one. And if they don't let you in because of that, if doctors yeah, no. don't let you in or, or, or ding you because of that, f*** that school. I don't see that being a, being a big deal, honestly. I think uh, people love good stories like that anyway. So if anything, it'll look good for you and you'll be more memorable, which is usually a good thing from interviewing. So... If anything, it'll be a strength of yours. I That's the way I see it anyways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It does raise an interesting question. Are you guys familiar with, we sign it every year at the beginning of the year, uh, the technical standards yes. of medical school admissions. Yes. Mm -hmm. I was about to say the same thing. It caught my eye when I was looking at them once on the admissions kind of type stuff. And it it's an interesting thought. So like I actually pulled it up just so we can talk about it a bit motor function is one of the technical these are non-academic standards so it says candidates must possess the capacity to perform physical examinations and diagnostic maneuvers they must be able to respond to emergency situations in a timely manner and provide general and emergency care they must adhere to the universal precaution measures meet safety standards applicable to inpatient outpatient settings and other clinical activities communication is also one of them obtaining a medical history uh, observation things like that and i remember seeing this for the first time and thinking huh so, you know, based on these standards, how do we interpret that for, let's say, an individual that's blind yeah, or deaf? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because that would create a barrier in communication. Or if someone, uh, you know, utilizes a wheelchair, define timely. Yeah. I wish I could remember exactly what we talked about on the show before, but there have been cases in the news or cases that I've read about where, you know, people were um, deaf, were blind and in medical school. Um, and as far as I can remember, they graduated, 
there was probably I seem to remember some sort of legal wrangling at some point. Mm. Um, yeah, and to be clear, I mean this isn't this doesn't sound like the problem that Victoria is no, facing. No, no, no. But no, no. Just, I think it's interesting it, to talk in the about. Same vein. I mean, um, we've had we have people in the school that have um, visible disabilities, mm -hmm. and um, I don't. I, I clearly didn't um, affect their ability to to get into the school. Um, yeah. I think the perspective too of like people's lived experiences like in our community as we learn is a huge yeah. asset. It'd be, you know, very tragic to exclude individuals because of their, you know, physical limitations or Yeah. As for the technical standards, I guys tough it uh, is. tough question. Um I mean, I can see a situation where you know, a, a deaf person would have zero problem communicating with uh, a patient or, you know, I can, I, you know, with my limited knowledge of what it's like to be a person with a disability, it's really hard for me to, 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 to say like, you know, how easy it is for somebody who has um, a communication disorder mm -hmm. or a visual disorder or something like that to do medicine but i'm positive there's ways around it it's just would people accept that mm -hmm. i think it also comes into play of you need to have varying viewpoints in medicine and mm -hmm. to have it be so limited just because of someone if they were to have a disability whether it be you can see it or not like that is so like what's the word i'm looking for it's just like so disparaging if we're cutting it off yeah it's just tragic like, yeah like mm -hmm. you need those varying viewpoints so that you're yep. getting an all-encompassing mm -hmm. doctor like, yep you don't just want everyone to be the same because then mm -hmm. like what good is that for progressing medical education yeah totally and to add off that i think people with disabilities need healthcare more than people without them and yeah. so if your doctor has a disability and you have a disability then the connection is really easy to make there they could be such better providers actually mm -hmm. yeah. yeah having gone through it themselves like you understand that and whether that be a physical disability or a mental disability like that type of knowledge having experienced it yourself gives you insight that someone else can't have even if you've learned about it you're learning about it in a different way just by living it and what if your disability as a physician meant that you needed say you were you were uh you were you're deaf and you needed a sign language interpreter um for your interactions i mean the how would that like, isn't there a confidentiality issue there? But we already use interpreters. Yeah, we use mm -hmm. scribes and things. I mean, they, they're just bound by HIPAA, and you just work with it. But they're, so they would be, they're basically employees of the, mm -hmm. and that makes sense, yeah. Mm -hmm. It just more and, so comes along with the fact of, let's say you do have a doctor who is deaf, and they require a translator with them all the time. Like, are you going to have a hospital who's going to employ employ them and pay mm -hmm. them to be with you the entire time rather than just like going with patients. Sure. You're deaf. sure. And what's, yeah, the technical standards, it's not to be a physician. It's, you know, your medical license doesn't have those standards. It's, mm -hmm. it's medical school. Just to get into medical yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I would not be surprised if those standards get either like drastically changed at some point or dropped. Yeah. Cause wasn't there a couple years back, there was a fourth year who had matched into orthopedics, I believe, and he had like gone celebrating and gotten a spinal cord injury and left him paralyzed. So yeah, that that sounds familiar. Uh, 
he will be coming to speak at Carver this semester. Really? Yes. And he was in, I believe, his third year of orthopedic residency. Oh, he was already in residency? Yeah. Yes. Did he switch to family medicine or did he... Yeah. um, After his recovery, he went back and is now boarded in family medicine. Nice. Oh, I've got to go see that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so uh, doesn't... I mean, yeah, there are barriers, um, f- but um, I'm not really sure how to yeah, how to really think about them. Mm-hmm. I wish I had gotten um, the admissions folks in on this discussion as to how they interpret those technical standards, especially. Mm-hmm. I feel like Amy's messages and Tom's message too are like pretty clear. Like as long as it's authentic and it's part of who you are, like they want to know about that. Yeah, but maybe not every med school feels that way. Yeah. Yeah, and to to answer kind of the second part of her question, um, we do have students with visible disabilities, and at least just from interacting with them and watching their interactions with other students and faculty, I've never seen that influence in an interaction Mm -hmm. they have had. Now, I can't, of course, speak to their entire experience, but uh, I think she specifically asked if we had noticed that Mm. that ever came up and i i've never seen that and i've never had anyone mention that to me so yeah people are people they'll they'll have their interior thoughts and and uh you know no matter what you know uh, despite even our best efforts we're sometimes biased for reasons that you know that aren't necessarily conscious but i would say that in your specific case victoria no problem you know, especially if you're like, uh, especially if you're uh, like a badass about it, which uh, which is what Amy specifically called called you. By the way, she says you're a badass for uh, for doing this and for not letting it slow you down. I didn't have a medical need for this. I just had it installed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's why it's temporary, it's like, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> um. So there you go. Good luck, uh, Victoria. Keep us posted. Let us know, you know, how well it worked out. Um, I would definitely love to hear more about this uh, as you proceed through your through your interview season. Um, Absolutely. And um, you know, I, I just I, I I mean I think that's I think it's not going to be a problem for you, but I, I would I would just love to see you know how people reacted to it, what kind of discussions you had about it. Because uh, I'm sure it'll, you know, somebody will bring it up at some point and, and see how that goes. Listener Alex, meantime, wrote in to suggest that we discuss a CNN piece on a patient at Mayo who had to um, escape from the clutches of her terrible physicians through subterfuge and action movie hijinks when they not only refused to release her but tried to have her ruled a ward of the state. Um, 18-year-old Alyssa Gilderhouse Gilderhuss and her family weren't happy with the treatment she was receiving after her ruptured aneurysm and a two-month hospitalization. Uh, uh, there were repeated clashes with the family um, and their doctors and, and healthcare providers on things like stopping oxycodone treatment, mistakes that they had to pester doctors to get corrected, an undiagnosed infection, um, and more. And the family asked for Alyssa's doctor and social worker to be replaced. They actually, over the course of her treatment, asked for four uh, providers to be replaced. Um, soon enough, the doc, the hospital told um, uh, Alyssa's mother that she could no longer 
uh, participate in in Alyssa's care and that she could not even be on Mayo property and she was escorted from the hospital. At some point, the, uh, after continued interference, the hospital tried to get the county authorities to make her a ward of the state. Um, and there's a lot more to this story, including how the family broke Alyssa out of the hospital um, through subterfuge and all that. But you, you can read the article, which I'll link to at theshortcoat.com. Um, what a crazy story. Yeah, yeah. Did you, what did you, I mean, what was your first thought on reading this story? Because I had a whole bunch of things that I started thinking about. <laughs> first thing for me. A whole me, bunch of questions. First thing for me was there's this adage that goes, if you go through your day and you meet one asshole, then you met an asshole. But if you go through a day and you meet everyone and everyone's an asshole, then you're the asshole. <laughs> so if you're a patient and you can't be happy with four doctors, I think it's, in, I, personally, I think it's unlikely that they're all bad doctors. I think the, the odds of that are poor. So that's kind of my two cents. I haven't heard that before. I like that. Yeah, I've heard it a different way that it, if you're surrounded by assholes, maybe you're the asshole. Yeah. yeah. This doesn't bode well for me. <laughs> <laughs> you're not an asshole, Gene. I can personally We can verify. My first thought was, man, this is a long story. And my second thought was, I bet you could write three more stories before you got the whole story. There's just so much to unpack in it. Yeah. The CNN article was pretty biased yeah they said they, they were careful to point out that they were reporting it from the point of view of these health records yeah that they could obtain mm. um, from the family I imagine uh, the local authorities who agreed to speak and as well as some some sort of um, you know interviews with people who weren't involved with the case but had things to say about it um, but yeah it was clearly told from the family's point of view. And I'm wondering, you know, I'm pretty sure that that's because Mayo did not feel that they could comment much. Right. There was a, yeah, a little follow-up piece um, in which Mayo, you know, said if, if they sign a release, they authorize us to speak with you, we'll do so. Yeah. And they kind of gave their perspective. Um, I remember when it first got posted on our page to kind of look at, mm -hmm. check out, I wrote like a super long thing and then as always, deleted it because I realized, <laughs> wow, I just, yeah, don't want to, you know. I did that exact thing on this exact article. I would I say it's like it. 10 to 1 for things that I post of uh, deletions that yeah. I actually didn't submit. Classic. Just, yeah. Nobody wants to hear That's my opinion. And then I go on a podcast. And <laughs> so you're going to hear my opinion now. Um, In the way that I choose to give it. Right? On my terms. Well, I think a big thing, too, is it's a back and forth. It's interesting. Like you guys were saying, like it's it's a you know it's a biased perspective um f but it got me thinking about kind of framing and the context of like framing error so if you're let's say you're the uh i believe she was in a psychiatry neuropsych memory unit yeah it was a uh, brain aneurysm I yeah think it was yeah yeah so if you're like the let's say the resident coming on or you're getting handoff and the framing error of like looking through the chart and updating yourself and you see like those keywords that totally make you envision a person before you come in. Mm. And it's the idea of patient is, uh, you know, verbally abusive, non-compliant, uh, disruptive family member, things like that. And then you're just like, oh, oh, great. And you start, yeah, you start building this kind of already you're fatigued of, oh, okay, I'm ready for a fight. Mm -hmm. And it's if like you go in the room, 
And now mom is, you know, there and she's exasperated and tired. And she says, nobody is listening to me. And you say, okay, well, okay. And starts, you know, getting frustrated and raising her voice about, you know, my child has been kidnapped and we have no power. All right. And I would deflect if I was in that situation. I tried to think about what would I do there? And I would deflect and I'd say, well, we have a system for these things. There's an ombudsman here at the hospital. I mm-hmm. encourage you to talk. And they had gone through those routes, uh, routes. Uh, it could be roots. Yeah. In, could Canada, good, huh? in Canada, it's roots. Yeah, yeah. roots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe that's why. Don't the roots play for like Jimmy Fallon? Yes. It's okay. also a store <laughs> where you can get very outerwear nice apparel. Thank you. And yeah. nice candles. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, I got these amazing Not candles a sponsor. that are <laughs> electronic. Yeah, exactly. They don't pay us. Anyways, um, it would be interesting. And let's just assume for a moment, let's say that this was a gross misappropriation of care. Let's just take that perspective and for a moment every physician and I think every person that if they were to do a super lengthy investigation would just say I was following protocol I was just doing what is appropriate I don't have the power to change things at that moment I referred them to the ombudsman that's what I was trained to do and they'd all be kind of right but it's an interesting thought of like once a certain thing gets documented in your medical record and you know you lose the you know, physicians, I'm talking about, you know, myself, we lose the empathy to sit and listen. It's an interesting thing of where would that logically end? Yeah. Because basically your only recourse is going to be some type of arbitration. Yeah. Now I think I'm not saying that they were totally in the right or anything, but it really got me thinking about framing error. Well, and there's also like the issue of, um, you know, doctors are people too. And when, you know, they encounter, a significant uh, resistance or a significant, you know, really annoying interactions with family members. The impulse is going to be to push back. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I sort of wonder if that's a little bit of what happened here and maybe things spiraled out of control just a little bit. I think the article, that the counter article that you mentioned was the Minnesota Public Radio article mm-hmm. um, that published Mayo's side of the story. And there were some details in that story that, I don't know, sort of argue for Mayo's point of view. Yeah. Um, what were some of those details? Yeah. Well, I will tell you. Um, I mean, first of all, they felt that in not commenting in the CNN article, they were protecting a vulnerable patient's privacy, they said. Um, Mayo had told CNN that the mother was abusive to the patient was unwilling to learn how to care for Alyssa and resisted medical advice and was physically aggressive. Um, Mayo had also at some point worked with the patient's father initially to get guardianship for Alyssa, but he backed out, which is why they sought help from the county. And then several months later after all this, and I don't know how much relevance this has, but it seems to speak to state of mind, uh, the patient's five younger half-siblings were removed from her mother's care and the mother tested positive for meth and amphetamines. Um, jury won't like that. I, I mm-hmm. you know, it's just uh, it, it just goes to show you that this is a this is much more complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even if all of that wasn't true, there's another side to this story that you know. There's always two sides, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it just sounds like there was communication errors on both sides. Yeah, and these things can happen in hospitals all the time. Oh, you know, yeah. when it, I, I mean, it, you know. 
hospitals are made up of people and and you know it's good that the mother was vigilant about errors or the family was vigilant about errors and brought them to their attention it's frustrating that they felt that, that those errors were not responded to and taken care of i would be very frustrated about that and you know let's face it any parent who loves their children who wants the best for them would you know definitely go to the mat in a situation like this you can love someone and still mistreat them in horrible ways oh, yeah, just yeah. because mm -hmm. you're ignorant and don't know. I'm them. just saying that, you know, as a parent, I would want to defend my children from re from what I perceive reasonably or not to be uh, treatment that I didn't agree with. Well, there's something we've addressed on the show before, which is um, having hospitals be rated according to like patient satisfaction surveys mm -hmm. and how dangerous that is because there are a lot of things we do as medical professionals that seem kind of callous or uncaring on the surface but are actually like you know the best thing to do for someone's care like in some cases some of these surveys would talk about you know patients complaining of being woken up in the middle of the night and you're like but we have to take your vitals like yeah. we have yeah. to make sure you're okay yeah we're keeping mm -hmm. you yeah. healthy like i'm sorry if it's not comfortable but sometimes yeah your health is going to make you uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, but like they don't know because yeah. they're not, you know, medical professionals or like right. complaining about asking for a cup of juice and being denied like, well, because you're and you know, NPO. So I wonder if that's part of it because the other thing mentioned in the article is like maybe was understated is like the huge socioeconomic divide between like this, you know, probably lower socioeconomic status family and then an institution populated by like elite physicians mm -hmm. and healthcare providers from all over the world mm -hmm. there's just like a not just a miscommunication health-wise but just like people from vastly different worlds not knowing how to bridge that gap mm -hmm. thanks uh alex for suggesting that we talk about it um i know Jaden's first response when i mentioned that we were talking about this is <laughs> we're not going to talk about that mayo story are we but <laughs> Jay, I mean, as we've noticed, Jaden's kind of an asshole. So that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I made it pretty clear that he is not an asshole. Oh, yeah, you did. The medical education world is going ape this last week because New York University will now supposedly let medical students attend for big fat zero dollars. All their what? medical students. I know. All. <laughs> you haven't heard about this? All their medical students, including those currently enrolled, nothing is what it will cost. Man, them. Current, just the current ones. Yeah, yeah. they're not going to give yeah. refunds to the you ones who graduated. On the not out. for you jokers that already. Agree no, I think everybody they get one who's year. currently okay, enrolled. Okay, okay. They get a year. Imagine yeah. just graduating. And yeah, year being PGY one. Oh, <laughs> I'd be salty, Dave. You still need the loans to live in New York, so it balances That's out. True. Actually, yeah, you would still spend sixty thousand dollars a year. <laughs> Probably just still breaking even yeah, with just that. Just cuts it in half. Wait, is this true or is this like the most mean prank ever? <laughs> no, it is. Are they it getting is, punked? They, they had a. Yeah. How, all did over. they uh, say how much? So they uh, six hundred million. They raised. Well, they they have raised four hundred fifty million of oh, the six hundred okay. million that they feel that they will need to continue this in perpetuity. So this is an endowment. Um, it's not tied to a student's individual career choice. So there's no, there's basically no, no string strings attached other than you have to be accepted into NYU. But there is a diploma attached. <laughs> mm -hmm. Uh, the school says it's concerned that the high price of med ed pushes students into high paying specialties at the expense of primary care. It also wants to, they say, encourage diversity. The question is, will this achieve their goals? Med Twitter is not sold. 
Yeah, it will achieve those goals. Yeah. They, people largely seem to think that it's a good thing, and if every med school could do it, that'd be great, but will it increase diversity? Will it end up with more people going into primary care? I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I think the argument has been, um, you know, as far as the... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't do med Twitter. <laughs> Some, someday you're going to have to convince me that Twitter is a good idea. Anyway, it sounds like a lot. So over, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're burdened um, with a median debt, as 75% of students are, of $200,000, that seems like a lot of money. Yeah. Um, the thing is that over a lifetime, say, a neurosurgeon will earn much, much more than a pediatrician. Um, whether tuition is a factor or not. In other words, the pay for a high-paying specialty is still a very strong motivator yeah. compared to debt. It's incentivized whether or not you have yeah. debt, right? You, you guys are motivated by this now, though, so by debt now. So, uh, you know, maybe that's a different story, but... Mm. One thing I thought, you know, we, we drop like six and a half six to seven percent on our federal loans if more institutions got into the loan giving business of we'll give you a three percent loan mm. we're going to get that money back you know because most physicians end up as long as you graduate maybe your fourth year convert them all or buy up all your loans yeah save you know med student or you know residents and all them like 50 60 grand over right. the life of those loans they make some decent scratch themselves on that percentage and i think it'd be mm -hmm. a way lower buy-in cost I guess yeah. the problem with that, though, is how wouldn't there be then an incentive for med students, med schools, which have loaned students money mm -hmm. to, I don't know, potentially ignore problems with individual uh, students because oh, now they've got, you know, a whole bunch of money sunk into this student. Hmm. And it's in their interest to get them I graduated. I think schools do this, though. I mean, there's I, some, yeah, there's some institutional loans. Yeah, but I, I just, I don't see why it's not way more prevalent. Yeah. What about residents then? You know, that first year. Sure. It'd be an interesting thought. Um, the other, the other thing is, you know, with the the claim, the hope that it will increase diversity. Um, the problem, as I understand it, with this is that unfortunately. It isn't just about income for low-income students. There are barriers that come with being mm -hmm. low-income that have nothing to do with money. Test scores, for instance. We know that oh, yeah. low-income students don't have the wherewithal financially to get all the test prep that, that other students engage mm -hmm. in and get all the mentors and get all the this and the connections and all that kind of stuff. Or take three months off and not work and not go to, to school. Study and for MCAT, study for right. MCAT, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's... it's uh, there's, there's a lot more to this than just, you know, the money part. Yeah, I would add to that, like NYU is already an elite school. And I think so, so what this will probably do is um, the people who are d deciding between Harvard, Stanford, NYU, that type of thing, they're, they're going to probably go to NYU because that has a financial incentive for them to do that. Yeah. So I think it's a great move for NYU because they can afford it and they're going to probably have the widest selection of talented students to pick from. Right. And it, it remains to be seen if it's going to, work in the favor of people going into lower paying specialties but in any case i i would foresee like harvard trying to raise money to do this too just so they can have they don't have to raise the money they've got exactly. it exactly they no, just that's have true. to commit that's it true. that's true that's true <laughs> but either way i i would i would imagine that this will make other really elite private schools want to do something like something like this as well just so that they can not 
you know, be at that competitive disadvantage with NYU for those best students. Yeah. And the other thing about scores, though, is that, you know, now, you know, potentially with all these with with these, uh, you know, high endowment schools vacuuming up all the high MCAT score students, um, it's going to I mean, my my guess is that one of the reasons they're doing this is a little bit less altruistic, and that is to improve or even more their standings on Absolutely. on rankings mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um things like US News and World Report. It's a great move for them for all those reasons. Yeah. 53 in ranking? Is that I'm what they are? Up, yeah, primary care. Yeah. You know, so, you know, Iowa, and, and a big factor in those rankings is so what's their research. <laughs> <laughs> their research is number 3, but Yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's the one they're hanging yeah. the, the on the banners. Is, yeah. We'll see how this works out, I guess. Uh sorry if y'all are jealous. That, uh, you know, I tried to donate $600 million to the Carver College of Medicine. And they said no? Well, I was <laughs> not successful was in it. coming up with $600 <laughs> million. Dollars. You post-dated the check. I set up a GoFundMe. Nobody donated. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. It was a good faith effort. Well, you know, I try. Uh, Mark, I wanted to, this seemed like a good time to bring up your... Uh, unusual uh, okay. living situation. You're an unusual man, I think, in general. That, you know, I take that as a compliment, except at the beginning you call me a creep. No. <laughs> I didn't words, mean it. It was, just a, it was just a, you know, throwaway line there, Mark. Words Mark, you are, are here's the truth about you. You are smooth and cool, okay? Ooh. Your California vibe, mm. <laughs> on point. Mm, like butter. Mm, mm, baby. Uh, you've got amazing facial hair, as is, is commonly known by anybody who lays eyes upon you. Um, and you refuse to live within the usual confines recognized by f polite society. Well, there's a little back. Do you <laughs> live in a van down by the river? Close. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, let me preface it in my defense so like people don't think like this dude is weird. Yeah, where are we going with this? Yeah, I, I have no idea. Up. So, uh, little little background about me. Uh my spouse, Sandy, is at UC Davis in California. Um, she, we were, you know, married, living together here in Iowa. She left uh, there to study. So uh, we've been living apart for the past year. And our apartment, you know, she moved out, but we kept all our furniture, and I moved it back uh, this June. And over the past year, every time I'd come home, uh, it just became this, like, almost mausoleum of, like, space. Mm. I would come home and I'd just be like, man, I miss Sandy. And she loves to put pictures up. So I'd see Sandy. I'd see our family. I'd see all these things. I was like, none of the stuff in this apartment, because pretty much everything was there. She went and had roommates in California. Makes me happy. Like the couch, the TV, all those things. It just doesn't provide me really anything that increases my joy in life. Can I ask you a question? Uh -huh. Are you raising your arms in the air in, in sort of a... Self-defensive. Uh, no, I, I love where this is going. Perhaps keep that's going. What it is. Okay. Yeah. Go, sorry. Go ahead. Um, I'm, I'm trying to spread out. <laughs> yeah. As uh, confident as I say this, <laughs> uh, probably actually, there probably is some underlying body language there. Anyways, um, I went on an away rotation, which was awesome in California. To, and you were there with your yeah, for your, the past with two Sandy. Yeah. yeah. Which is why you know I was doing the Skype thing for a while. Mm -hmm. What's past couple episodes? Uh, emergency medicine. It was awesome. Great. Great institution out there. I loved every moment. Did you mention what institution? UC Davis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, I had a blast. Um, but one of the things in preparing to go back out there was like, oh my gosh, let's take all our stuff from Iowa and move it back. Um, and then instead of having roommates, let's get a place ourselves. So, you know, let's have a home again that's ours. So we have our little place that we rent, our home. Place that you can return yeah. to when you have uh, exactly. when you have a couple of weeks or whatever in your M4 year. It's home. I am not homeless. Mm-hmm. But anyways, it's expensive in California, so I have to come back to Iowa for various things, uh, you know, rotations and stuff. And I thought, where am I going to live? So I got this Honda Element. I got it for $100 salvage. And I think the way my boredom and grieving took place over the past year was fixing it up. So I fixed it up. I took all the seats out. And I'm living in it. <laughs> so what are you going to do? Oh, the... my God. I'm losing it. Do you park down by the river? Please. Uh, just once. Just one just, night. Just one night. Okay. I'll go. So by we can Iowa use that river. reference forever. I, I will so even come stay pictures. with this you. This is dope you as hell. <laughs> you know, this as you were. So my, you were reluctant to speak of this. <laughs> because it's weird. But at the I same time, it's like this. this experiment of like, I don't know. I just And that's why I think I wanted to preface it so bad, you guys, is like I wanted to pare it down. And it's like this thought experiment. What actually brings me happiness? What are the things in my life that Hondas. you know if you were to look at Maslow's you know what's that Maslow's, Maslow's hierarchy, hierarchy of, needs. of needs precisely yeah. that little pyramid that's not the food pyramid um, <laughs> you know they have self-actualization and basic needs and the thing is the majority you know 99% of that as Americans with guaranteed cash flow as medical students those things are provided so then I started really saying what can I get rid of and pair away and see what affects my joy from day to day and it's been an interesting thing to identify. Like a lot of that stuff really does nothing for me. Certain things that I didn't think about because they were so essential to life profoundly make a difference. Mm -hmm. So one that comes to mind is like internet. Mm -hmm. Internet access is actually like a huge part a big deal. of my happiness because it starts my day. I listen to my, you know, I love NPR and New York Times the daily in the morning. That's what I do is I start my morning thing and drink my coffee. Do you get like and, and a hot spot for that? Uh, yeah, so I use my phone and uh, yeah, I have the hotspot. Yeah, and you could, you know, if you didn't have that, you could get it in some other way, like going to the library. But you got to mm -hmm. have it like, I, yeah, I'm I'm as addicted as you are. Yep. I get up in the morning. The first thing I do is, you know, you know, look at, you know, how the world's going to hell in a handbasket. But, but how do you get your coffee in the morning? Do you just... Uh, I heat it up. You I got drive little, through I got Starbucks. <laughs> that gets expensive. Yeah, I got a little, <laughs> kettle, I got a little heater thingy okay. and I got rechargeable batteries. So at first I was going to use like milliamp, you know, the phone rechargers. Uh, but then I got a, a little creative. They have, so if you're familiar with like e-cigarettes, mm -hmm. they have a similar type of AA battery, but the capacity is like insanely high. So you can use those, plug them into a thing that has a USB outlet and various other types, hmm. and you can heat stuff up with it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm getting my coffee in the morning. I'm having my oatmeal with my cranberries. You know it's what? It's delicious. It's a good life. Do you have pictures of this setup? Uh, I do. Yeah, I do on my phone. I'm for, yeah, sorry, podcasters. You can't. <laughs> it's not for you. It's so for how, <laughs> how much of every day are you actually spending in the, in the car? Well, so I got back Sunday, pretty much every, all the majority of my, because I'm not on rotations right now. Once I start rotations, I mean... Right. I mean, how much time do you spend in your home? It'll be the, the same. Sure. Yeah, but when it gets cold out, what are you yeah, going to do? Yeah, yeah, the weather. Are you gonna be it's not point? bad. It's not that bad. But it's you've only right. experienced but, this in the summer. Yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah. See. Please Listen, don't do this I'm in not, the winter. I'm summer. not judging you or trying. You know, I'm very supportive. <laughs> I just Thank want you, to Lee. empower you to keep this going. So I love this idea. You cold People go cold weather camping. Yeah. We'll be starting. in Iowa. I didn't know it was a thing until what, I came out here. Well, you did say I, saw it, I was like, that's so, We just buy blankets. So he did buy blankets for Mark. 
he did tell me the other day that he 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 woke up and oh dude that was not cool he woke up and he realized that the uh that the window is down and this is like in the past couple days here in iowa overnight it's probably gotten down into like what 50s like 50 yeah yeah i mean so that's not even that bad but at the same time i imagine you woke up with like dew in your beard well, and thund- like <laughs> the thunderstorm last night oh yeah I, I ordered the regulator but it hasn't come it's coming today to fix it but the regulator yeah, oh the you window. know so like a little yeah. window thing yeah his window the had joys, fallen down for everybody that is like a little bit thrifty don't pay for car repairs literally type into youtube your car your year how to repair it and then cheap or like under a hundred dollars or whatever you want, you'll find it. Mute the sound so you don't get overwhelmed with all the words and just do <laughs> what they do. Lot. It's literally just pantomime every little item that they do and you can fix. I mean, I fixed the regulator before. It was 450 bucks at the dealership versus buy it on Amazon for $50 and do it in like 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do you that. You can learn a lot from YouTube. It's yeah. amazing. You're I, corporate America's worst nightmare. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> you're you're going to be at Target now because you're, right? you're revealing the fact yeah. that we live in a very consumer-driven society Absolutely. and that we are convinced to buy all of this Wait garbage that we don't need. a minute. I don't believe that for a second, Aline. You are the millennial running the housing industry. <laughs> running <laughs> the, the retail apocalypse. Right. Killing everything. The, yeah, running car repair industry like you're not eating out you're a nightmare uh, for well, baby yeah. boomers <laughs> yes <laughs> you're you're the millennial baby boomers warned us again that's so other, <laughs> other than internet i mean it's just so do you feel like you have enough space when you're oh, in abs- there absolutely so i mean a honda element is a spacious vehicle you guys again, i always wanted not one. I never, paid yeah not paid by honda why the hell did honda I don't know why they got rid of it, man. It is a fantastic, fantastic vehicle. I've heard that time and time again. You you can like hose down the interior. Not that I have a need for that, but it's (laughs) nice to just. (laughs) Well, the one cool thing is you can sweep because it is vinyl on the bottom. You just like sweep up, places nice and tight. So you don't have shag carpet. No, I do have a little like mat. I want to get a welcome mat, like a legit. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then I built covers for like the windows. That was a fun little arts and crafts project. You it's could just, go, you could go solar on this bad boy. You could go solar, I've thought about it, yeah. battery packs. Then you can have some, some mm-hmm. a little bit of heat anyway. So I actually have a question about this because I we have a classmate whose significant other like built her own tiny home, and Iowa City has like regulations and laws against the tiny homes. Apparently, from my understanding of talking with her. Buzz kills. So how do you get like? Do you ever get in trouble with the law so with, with this? The, with the tiny home, uh, it's this like the gross vehicle weight, the size of it. It okay. depends what they're doing. I don't know the details like how big it was, Not and then also where you're parking. So here's the thing: I like met with student legal services. I have another like meeting with them because I have more questions now, and it's just it's created some interesting questions that I'm just I want to satisfy my curiosity, and we get free legal advice, so I'm going to use it. Um, you are a very interesting person. <laughs> I think, well, it, it, you know, you get, you have some questions and I'm past step two now and I don't know what to do with myself. So I just, you know, you Wikipedia for a bit and then it's like, well, I want to talk to a lawyer and see what they think. I think I'm legally for that. I think legally in Mark's situation, I don't know about the tiny house thing, but in Mark's situation, all he has to do is move his vehicle once in a while. Yep. I mean, every 72 hours. That's the every only rule. 72 hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing too is like Walmart's fine with it. You could say that's those true. Places. Walmart loves mm-hmm. people like you. Yeah. They're totally down with it. You're going into Walmart when you need stuff. Right? Yeah. yeah buying things consuming lean so I, yeah see i'm still contributing to the system don't don't <laughs> For now. don't assassinate mark capitalism we have to consume some things like oxygen water. <laughs> well walmart doesn't sell that yet <laughs> yeah, that's right. um, but they're working on it is there anything that 
uh, aside from internet, as I said, is there anything else that you miss about not having stuff? Um, or specifically the stuff that you are doing without right now? Not really. I mean, like bathroom access is super annoying. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So you know, just before you go home, if you will. Oh, um, that's not where I thought you were going with it. Before you go to the car. <laughs> Uh, you just got to make sure you go to the restroom and you're good to go till the next day. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that is annoying. Uh, so I have like a little cooler backpack I got from Costco, 48 hours. I'll keep things cold. Oh. Got my stuff in there. Say, oh, I thought we were still on the bad topic. I got a Folgers can, day. It's a popcorn tin. You've seen oh, with God. the three popcorns. You sustain yourself with popcorn. Then you. No. It's, it's a cycle. Are you, are you showering at the like university gyms? Yeah, we have we have shower access. Yeah, like showers right here in this building. Yeah, yeah, in this building, in the hospital, in the gym. Uh, at the rec center, yep. we for get you, free dude. lunch for like the majority of the things we do. I mean, it's I, a very it sounds like privileged like if you, situation I'm in. If you can accept a certain level of inconvenience in your life. It's very minor. It's not, doesn't sound too bad. It's not. Especially if you're going to the gym anyway, or you're, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, you're not, uh, yeah. I'm not going to the, I mean, I'll sit in the sauna. I was going to say it might be more incentive to go to the gym if you have mm -hmm. to shower and be like, well, since I'm if here. your home is 33 degrees inside, <laughs> I should make it a weight loss plan or yeah. something. Um, yeah, you'd make My urban car living. Yeah, that would save you. That would save you some. I'm just really worried about system. like come January. Yeah, same yeah. here. Like I'm just like, curious so about that. They have those small heating elements. Uh, you can get a Sub-Zero like uh sleeping, sleeping bag. bag you could it's probably get those bad. you could probably get those uh hand warmer doodads and yeah. stuff them in your sleeping bag at night exactly. you'd be fine Boil some water the... throw in a bag yeah. or throw it in a bottle put it in your sleeping bag we're rooting for Ooh. you mark oh, i love this idea i you know like i i am kind of um uh, a low-key fan of the of the tiny house thing they're fa i love them yeah uh, I mean, I have some strong reservations about living with another person in a tiny home mm -hmm. just because I don't want to smell their farts all the time <laughs> or whatever, you know, like, there, I mean, there are just some things that in a tiny home you can't escape. get, a, you can't escape. <laughs> um, but at the same time, there's something, a, there's something very freeing about the idea of giving up stuff. This is my Walden, Dave. They're going out in the woods. That's I'm pulling the throw. Yes. All you need to do now is write a book. Right. What's the, the phrase from it? So it'll be like, I walked in the parking lot. I walked out taller than the car. <laughs> taller than the street lights instead of taller than the trees. Oh. Uh, I love it. And funny. I imagine, uh, I mean, does it save money? Um. Yeah, in the sense of, I mean, I got the car for a hundred dollars, so it was. A, well, you were going to spend money here to have an apartment, which you're not spending here to have an apartment. You're spending it in California, so. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's a wash because we definitely like got a especially place with real is, estate in California. Yeah, yeah so we're paying seventeen hundred a month out there compared yeah. to what we could have done. So. Right. Uh, but if you, I mean, imagine if this you, isn't out of necessity. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to paint a picture of like this poor. Oh, this this poor kid he's he's starving and unable to yeah. survive because that's not the case and what an interesting response to grief though i mean because you said you were grieving a little bit for it, your, oh absolutely that was yeah. a rough year the last yeah. year it was uh a huge i i wouldn't trade it but mm -hmm. i don't want to repeat it if necessary i think this 
is well said. part of the, you know like when when people say i'm depressed or i'm grieving or whatever i think the most one of the most important things you can do is something mm-hmm. you know do something it doesn't have to be as you know like move into a van but it could be it's <laughs> an <laughs> element it, an element sorry yeah it's a little creepier when i say van yeah um but you know just like doing something to take the reins mm-hmm. and to you know take some action it's very it can be very empowering to do that the trick is getting to that point where you're like for a lot of people especially when you're depressed you know it's getting to that point where you're gonna you're gonna actually do something rather than Absolutely. doing what most of us want to do when we're depressed which is sit down on the couch and watch netflix some of the questions that it's got me thinking about um Cause I would like frame things a certain way. And then I always had my outs of like, I do have a home and all that Mm -hmm. is for individuals that do not live in their car by choice. Yeah. If they're forced to, um, because of their situation, uh, there's a lot of interesting barriers of getting mail. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. trying to update your ID. One of the big ones, car insurance. Oh my gosh. Cause they're not, you need to like have a, you know, place of residence. Your vehicle needs to be registered as well, which for which you probably need a place of residence. Yeah. And those were interesting, interesting things that I had to deal with of like, how do I do this? Because I actually don't have a mailing address. And can a, is a PO box not like a casual solution? No, because uh, a lot of your costs for like insurance are determined by the zip code you're living in. So they, they need to have the actuary. I think, are they actuaries, the people that assess? Let's say they are. Okay. Probably. Um, whatever the ta- you know, the uh, insurance guy is that determines the algorithm to figure out how much to charge you. They're doing that based on zip code, based on miles driven. Mm-hmm. So you need that physical place of residence. Where is the vehicle being stored? At what address? Yeah. Um, are things they ask? And it's like, oh, yeah, well... I don't think I can give you the Walmart address. <laughs> that's not going to fly. 1600 yeah, Pennsylvania Avenue. Right. Wait a second. <laughs> Time out. Well, as we said, we support you in this effort. Um, if you, Appreciate it. Mark, I'm going to extend the offer right now. If you need a place to uh, <laughs> park your van, park your element, excuse me. Stop saying van. It's I'm so sorry. creepy. A windowless <laughs> room on wheels. Let's not, hey, if you hop on uh, Instagram and look at these amazing, oh, yeah. the sprinter vans, that because yeah. that was the inspiration. Sprinter like, vans yeah, are like big. Phenomenal. With, yes, yeah. Some beautiful structures that people yep. built. I appreciate it though, Dave. I, the you're welcome to come to my house. that I've received also from people when they hear it of like, bro, you can... You can come stay with me. Yeah. You'd get <laughs> it. Feels very good. Like, yeah. I'm not going to lie. It feels I did, very hard. I just want to point out that it did not offer you my, home, <laughs> nice my entry into my line. home. I just, just my drive. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Put it. Put <laughs> <laughs> on the window in the morning whoa, whoa. and be like, you still good? <laughs> but it, it is nice. Um, uh, well, good. Glad to hear it. I think we're at the end of the show today. I like how we ended that show, Mark. <laughs> Thank you. We'll be putting links to the topics we've discussed and. This episode's show notes at theshortcode.com. Maybe a picture of Mark's van if he'll, uh, if he'll let us... Uh, it's not a van. Mark's element. It's not a sprinter van. Uh, but for now, that is our show. Aline, Mark, Jaden, Marissa, Gabe, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you listeners for making this part of your week. If you like what you heard today, we hope we've earned your subscription. You can contribute to the show by sending your questions or whatever you like to theshortcodes at gmail.com where you'll also find a link to submit a recipe for med student success 
just still there. We're still getting some uh, some recipes. Uh, you can leave a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. This show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox, and our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week. I'm glad my life gives you entertainment.